Okay, we are in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perek Chafbeis, Pasuk Yudches, Lochein Ko Amar Hashem El Yehoyakim. So, we are in the middle of Perek Chafbeis, and we have seen that the Novi is using this Perek to go back and forth among the last kings of Judea. Uh, alternating between Yehoyakim, Yehoyachim, and Sikiyahu. So I think it behooves us just again to get this in perspective, the sequence of those kings. We saw that Yoshiyahu, coming after the evil Menashe, his grandfather, and um, his father, uh, who were just evil, venal men, ushered in an era of renaissance, of Sidkis. As we've said, Yoshiyahu restored, uh, refurbished the Beis Hamikdash, instituted a system of education of Torah throughout the land, rooted out literally house by house the Avodah Zorah. And many Mephoshim say that had he continued and B'nai Yisrael responded, you could have possibly averted the uh, destruction by Nebuchadnezzar of Bayez Rishon. But it was not to happen, as we're going to see, Yoshiyahu makes a tragic miscalculation in a battle with Egypt, and his regime ends. So he leaves three sons. First one is Yehoyakim, who will now rule for 11 years. Following Yehoyakim comes Yehoyachin, and the best thing you can say about him is he only ruled for three months. Following him comes the final king of Judea before the exile, Sikiyahu, who was the son of Yoshiyahu. He will rule for 11 years. The thread of commonality between these final three kings, Yehoyakim, Yehoyachin, and Sikiyahu, is that they were not only just totally incompetent, they were totally evil. They were men who just didn't believe in the, in the spirit of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. They didn't believe in Shuva. They didn't believe in Tyra, one of the classic examples is that Yoshiyahu, uh, you will recall during one of his restorations of the Beis Hamikdash, they found the Sefer Torah, uh, opens up to the Tochacha, and that by reading it aloud, this instituted a short but nonetheless very effective period of tshuva. The nation saw the handwriting on the wall and just vowed to do tshuva. On the contrary, when Yehoyakim is given a Sefer Torah that they have found again uh, with the Tochacha, he tears it, he desecrates it, he rips it up. They were terribly evil, evil men. And as we're going to see with Sikiyahu and Yehoyakim, at least in the exile, they get to Bavel. Yehoyakim never makes it past the outer gates of Yerushalayim as we will see. So Yehoyakim becomes the appointed, the hand-picked, chosen king of Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar at this point in the history just wants quiet in Judea. 
doesn't want revolution, doesn't want disloyalty. He's got a vassal state that pays him taxes, that is loyal to him, uh, and he is sorely disappointed when Yehoiakim rebels against him, stops paying taxes, and it stands in open rebellion. Well, he's not going to stand for that, and so he comes into Yerushalayim, and Yehoiakim, as we say, meets a tragic, humiliating death. So let's start with that in Pasuk Yudches. This is what he says to Yehoiakim, the very evil, destructive king, after his father Yoshiyahu. Lo yispadulo. They aren't going to even eulogize you when you die. They're not going to say, whoa, my brother, whoa, my sister. In other words, the Radak even says, your wife is not going to mourn for you. No one's going to mourn for you. They will not eulogize you. They will say, whoa, the king of Judea, or oh, the ruler, etc., or his glory. Nothing. You will die in total ignominy. Continues the Navi, Kfuras Hamor Yikover. You will be buried like a donkey, which a donkey we know is not buried. His carcass is laid out there on the ground, and that's exactly what happens. Schov Vahashlech Mehala, dragged and put from place Lashara Yushan outside the gates of Yerushalayim. The Farshim say that um, uh, that possibly Nebuchadnezzar gave his carcass to the dogs or to the donkeys until he was consumed by donkeys. But whatever it is, it's a terrible, ignominious death, a humiliation of his body, a desecration of kvura of, of any kind. In fact, there is a very interesting agadita. Uh, in Sanhedrin, Daf Pei Beis Amud Aleph, exactly about this pasuk, and let's read it. The Amar Rabchia Baravuya Rabchia Baravuya says, "Kisiv al Golgoso shall Yoyakim." It is written on the skull of Yerushalayim, "Zos vaod acheres." In other words, you receive only one portion of the retribution, there is another chalek of retribution that is coming to you. Zignate Rapreda, the grandfather of Rapreda, who by the way is Chia Baravuya, He found the skull that was just in front of the gates of Yerushalayim. This and still another. So Rav Kia, giving it a respect, buries it. But it breaks out to the surface from the grave. He buries it again, and again it breaks forth. At this point, he realizes, Rav Kia, this is the skull of Yoyakim. 
Kvuras Chamor Yikaver Sochuva Hashlech Mehola Lishari Yisholayim. As we just learned, he will be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast beyond the gates of Yisholayim. Then Rebchia says, but nonetheless, Omar Malkahu, yes, it's Yoyakim, but he was a king of Judea. The love orech aral of It's not even appropriate to just continue to disgrace him. So shakla karava b'shira osve b'sifata. He doesn't bury him again because he sees that's useless. So he takes the skull and he wraps it in silk and he puts it in a box in his home. Astra devise chazi. So his wife comes home sees the skull wrapped up in silk. She goes out and tells her neighbors, look, look what I found. They say to her, This must be the skull of your husband's first wife. He had a first wife, and obviously he is still so attached to her that he keeps the skull in his dresser drawer wrapped in silk. So in a fit of anger, she heats up the oven, the khalsa, and she burns the skull. Kiasa Marachia comes home and hears what happens. He said, this is what means the writing on the skull. Zos Cheres. That King Joachim was destined for a twofold retribution. His skull thrown into the streets of Yerushalayim and a second punishment being consumed by fire. So we see just as the Navi promised, it is a terrible, terrible, humiliating death. Um, continues the Navi, Ali Havonon, go up to the tops of the Levonon, one of the highest points in Israel, Vitzake Uba Bashan, into the Bashan, and proclaim from the mountaintops, Tini Kolech, give your voice in Sarvitzaki Meavadim Kinishvaru Komeavosecha, and scream and wail because all your lovers, Meavosech, are broken. What this, of course, is alluding to is their misplaced faith in Emuna, not in Hashem, but in the power of Egypt and Ashur, who are going to come to their defense in a mutual defense pact. This is what they put all their hopes in, and it's gone. Nebuchadnezzar has long since captured both Bavel, I'm sorry, about Ashur, and Mitzrayim. So all your misplaced hopes are gone. You can wail from that highest mountain. It's not going to help. Dibarti elecha b'shalvoseh. I have spoken to you in periods of shalva, when you were tranquil, when you were serene, you lived in prosperity and peace. Omarta lo eshmalo. And you have said, I'm not listening. This is your way since history, since your youth, that you are not going to listen to my voice. And the Forshim say we're of course referring to even in Har Sinai, 
They said to Moshe, we don't want to hear the voice directly. So you've got a history of thousands of years of in good times, in bad times, you don't want to hear what the Kaddish Baruch Hu has to say. Your shepherds are gone literally with the wind. Your lovers have been taken in captivity. And now, then maybe you will be humiliated and totally embarrassed by all the evil you've done. In other words, your leaders are gone. Your lovers, specifically Ashur and Mitzrayim, are captured. There's nothing, no one to help you. You dwelt in as if you were living in the Levanon with these gorgeous palaces that you built for yourself out of cedar trees. What good are they going to do? What joy will they bring you when you are suffering the pangs of pain as if in childbirth. Nothing. It will yield nothing. I swear, says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Konyahu is a derogative name for not Yehoyachin, but Yehoyachin, his son. Ben Yehoyachin, Melech Yehuda, Chosam Ayad Yemini. If I wore his signet ring, his all the appurtenance of kingship on my finger, I will take it off. I will throw it off. He is valueless. He is useless. And we see Yehoshim rules a bare three months before Nebuchadnezzar has had enough of him. And I will give you, Yehoshim, into the hands of those who pursue you. I will give you the nations who conquer you and the nations of Nebuchadnezzar, Bavel, Kazdim. It will be a fourfold um, punishment. And we see, of course, Nebuchadnezzar does come in four stages to um, Yerushalayim. But you are finished. You are fallen. And I will take you and your mother. Mephoshim say his mother was as steeped in Avodah Zorah as he was. Who gave birth to you. I will take you to a foreign land. That you weren't born there. Visham Tomusu. You will die there. And that's exactly what happens. And the land that they long to return, Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, they will not return. And that prophecy is fulfilled as well. And they won't understand that they are scattered. Uh, no one wants him. His seed is scattered on the land forever that they will not know. Eretz, Eretz, now a plea to the land, I cry out to you. Koamar Hashem, Kasfuas, Aish, Hazet, Ariri, Gever, Lo Yitzlach, 
This man, Yo Yachin, will be an Ariri with no children. He lo Yitzlach Mizaro Ish, nothing will remain of his seed. Ish Yosheh Al Kisei David, no one to sit on the throne of David. Umosheh Od Yehuda, and to rule again in Yehuda. The Mephoshim, however, tell us that in the end, Sikio Yehoyachin do a kind of tshuva in Bavel, and they are forgiven, and Sikio will give birth to Zerubavel. Zerubavel is the man who leads them, one of the leaders out of Bavel. He is, of course, from the house of David. So we see that despite the threat, the Davidic dynasty will still be very much alive. Tomorrow, we see a message to the leaders of B'nai Yisrael, not much more encouraging than today's message to the kings. 8.45 a.m. Ad Khan.